0: from the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey. Teeing It Up presents um, for July 29th, 2020, um, as we embark on the eve, or on the eve, as we embark on a new start to the resumption of the NBA inside the bubble. In Orlando, and we welcome in for that. This is what Teeing Up is presenting. Uh, the return to the podcast for the first time in what feels like five years, but it's probably only been five months for Jordan Brickman. Uh, welcome back, sir. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. Um, so let's start here. What have you noticed from the scrimmages? Um, you know, some of the it's, it's interesting, right?
1: Some of the players have looked. some of them have looked out of shape um some of them look fresh um you know you look at someone michael lebron looks like he's been resting for 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 five years and he looks like an absolute monster out there more than he normally would uh and then you look at his teammate jared Dudley. it looks like he's been eating cheeseburgers the entire time of the pandemic so uh, i think it varies person to person i know like people like Giannis didn't even have a hoop to shoot at um for the most part though it seems like the guy's uh, took it as, as you know, took the time off as a, it's kind of an off season. I know they might not have been able to work on, you know, specific moves or specific weaknesses, but they took it as a chance to work on their body. Seems like some guys, like looking at a Zion, have re, have kind of reimagined their body. So it's been interesting to see kind of how dedicated the guys are, and I think it really highlights the ones that aren't based off just seeing their physique and not being able to run and play and um, be active. And then look at the guys that. Um, you know, maybe some of the more wealthy players who could afford to have a, a a basketball court in their, in their house or whatever it might be. Um, it was interesting to kind of see the the spark differences amongst them.
0: What about the atmosphere? So often, uh, in the NCAA tournament, um, when they move into these football stadiums, the sight lines and, and, and the depth perception and being able to have a target to shoot at, um, It's a, it's an, sometimes it takes some adjustment. And what they've essentially done, from what I can tell in these three um, wide world of sports arenas, is behind the hoops are either video screens or some type of covering to obscure as much as possible for television the fact that there are seats there for what is normally a gym. Um, Have you seen any players? as we've gone through these scrimmages, express issues with the setup, or express issues with how the courts light up, or anybody who's normally a really good shooter just seem off for some odd reason.
1: Not, not, not yet. You know, anyone that's missing shots, it's, it'll be the same excuse of like you know, not in the rhythm, just getting my legs back under me. The sample size at this moment is too small to point to something more definitive and concrete, like a like the backdrop being. You know, um, distracting. These guys are playing with thousands of fans behind the backboard, uh, you know, waving their, their thundersticks and things like that. They're professionals. I've seen videos of people shooting on a hoop without a backboard and draining and shots. So um, guys that are this good, it, it shouldn't affect them too much. If it is affecting them, it's probably something else going on. Usually a, a good shooter won't, won't need to make, or a good tour in general, won't need to make an excuse like the backboard or the, the, the backdrop was, was, uh, um, messing with my depth perception these guys are good enough that that they should be able to adapt at at any point and they're going to be playing on the same um same hoops you know same same couple courts so they should get used to those everything will kind of make a home field advantage i think by by the end of um the regular season at
0: least it's an interesting question we'll get to in a second we're talking the nba restart with jordan brickman so what do you think about quality of play early on um Hint, hint, gambling, hint, hint. Sorry, folks, but we still have to do that. and It's not legal in all 50 states. Um, but like, when it comes to quality of play, I can see some games being really ugly, and I can see some games being super sharp, and then you go into the teams that, that had people quarantine or, or you know, uh, sorry, players quarantine or guys who got there later, guys who left and then reentered and stuff. It could be kind of hodgepodge in terms of these roster makeups, but in terms of... Quality of play overall early on, how do you see it?
1: Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting. When you ask that question, the first thing I thought of, and this is somewhat relevant because of the last last dance documentary, um, is when MJ came back, um, when he wore the 4 5 and they lost the series to the Magic. And if you look at MJ's numbers when he came back, he was just as good as he had ever been statistically. But in the end of those playoff games, which were grind out, exhausting playoff games, he didn't have his legs under him, so I don't know if we'll be able to see the difference in these guys in the regular season, or even in the first couple of rounds, the first couple of games of the playoffs. But when push comes to shove, final two minutes of a game where this player played 40 plus minutes, that's when we're gonna think we're gonna see the differences of the guys not having their legs under them. Because you know you can kind of coast and catch your breath, catch your legs um, throughout a game. You can find times to rest. I think that's something LeBron's been incredible at. Is like. He, he walks the most in the NBA. He finds time to, to rest his leg. I think you can do that, you know, in a regular season game and throughout a game. But when the final two minutes, final five minutes of a game where it's, it's more of a sprint, that's when I think we're going to see these guys start to lose their legs under them. Because it's not, you can't get into NBA game shape super quickly. You know, you hope these guys stayed in, in game shape as much as they could over the pandemic. They're going to have four or five weeks um, before the regular season starts you know, tomorrow, but it, 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 takes, it takes a while to really be in that great game shape. That's why you sometimes you see players hit their stride mid-season or someone's a second-half player, you know, because it takes a while to get those legs under you. Um, so I think that, that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. It's not the first 43 minutes or so of the game. It's the last two to five minutes of the game where I think we're going to see some of the guys be a little more tired.
0: And I think to that end, when you talk about the guys who have gone through physique changes, we're going to find out if that was um, for show and tell or if that was for real for the same reason. Like, you know, is your cardio there too? Is your endurance and stamina there besides just, you know, having put on some muscle? Exactly. We'll see. We'll
1: see um, if, it's, if it's just your beach muscles or uh, if it actually has, has some value
0: for you. I like that phrase, beach muscles.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your biceps, and you're in your chest. You know the core is really what the,
0: the valuable strength is. Yeah, I'm gonna use that phrase again. Thank you. Uh, I I have gained a a, a new uh, uh, piece for my vernacular going forward. Um, there you, go. <laughs> you know, and we're talking to uh, Jordan Brickman here about the NBA's return uh, starting tomorrow. We've we've had this amazing run of no tests, and if we are able to keep this going and be able to go for a while, we're gonna be able, I think, to really get some interesting momentum and some interesting insights on a bunch of different things and a bunch of different uh, topics. The the first of which is, if we have an in-season, mid-season tournament, you are going to create a break of sorts. Now, it won't be four months, but it's gonna be a break of sorts. And that's gonna create opportunities for guys to get some rest come back from injury not you know take care of themselves right over a break and then on the opposite end adam silver wants to play in tournament and and that's an idea that's been floated so many times we and we could get a glimpse of that here as well so as we now look into coming off this four-month break you look at someone like the lakers who um lose avery bradley because he chose to opt out and not participate and then you've got guys coming back from injury, so as you look at um, the coming back part from this, um, who benefited the most and who got hurt the most in your mind?
1: I think the teams that that benefit the most from this um, are the teams with a little bit of older roster. So, like I mentioned LeBron, you know, there's, there's kind of two sides of the spectrum here. Like I mentioned earlier, you have the guys that are second half players, and then, not that LeBron fades, he definitely doesn't fade, he certainly has a long, is not fading, but he's, he's not as explosive as the season goes on because he's older, he's taking and he's playing 36-plus minutes a game, and by the time he gets to the finals, which he never really does every year, he's played 120 games, and he's just not going to be as fresh. That's just the nature of, of, of the sport, and the older guys are going to be the ones that have those nagging injuries, um, those things that, that can kind of slow you down slowly slowly but surely. So. I think some of the older teams are going to really benefit, like like, like a LeBron. I think Dave' always has little nagging injuries. And then I think the teams that are going to benefit uh, are the ones that are cohesive units. So I think, of, and well-coached teams, I think of someone like the Raptors, which is a team that they know what they're doing, they're well-coached, the players know their roles. They're going to go in there, and it doesn't matter if they're they're as 100% sharp as they were when the season ended, they're just going to get the job done. That's a team that's, that's efficient and, and will play well, and and it's going to be a problem for, for, for teams to play them in the playoffs. I think it's teams like that that are, that are going to benefit from it. And I also you know, look at what's going on with Ben Simmons right now. He's certainly getting a lot of hype for his remade jump shot. If he was able to finally get some confidence to even just hoist up some shots, even if he's not hitting that at a high percentage, that's going to change the entire game for the Sixers. So if there's guys out there that, could, that were able to improve on a major flaw midseason, that's going to be, that's going to be really interesting to see how, how that factors in um, as, as we as we as enter the, the regular, end of the regular season and the playoffs
0: here, and then who do you think got hurt by this? If if anybody sticks out as 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 a team that uh, was that had this break come at the wrong time, and then for whatever reason, whether it's a new injury or whether it's um, you know players opting not to return, are are going to come out on on the bottom of this?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know the teams that that. It's hard to say now that they were that they're hurt because seeing how they play. But some teams that were hot and clicking at the right time, right as the season was peaking, it's it, it's a shame that those guys now have to kind of restart and try to pe- re essentially re-peak again. Um, so so so, so, that, that, so that I think of like the Celtics. were talking about how they were like just getting starting to click and just, things were just starting to get together for them. And then the season the season is put on pause and now they gotta kinda of restart and try to regain that magic. You know, I think someone like the Bucks are you know, who are a championship contender and very well could win the championship. They were they were fresh, they were looking really good, they were looking like the class of the East. And now all of a sudden these other teams can kinda of take a step back and kind of, you know, reshift their focus, can 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 Kind of de- de- developed specifically to try to take out the the team of the Bucs. Um, I, I think a team like the Bucs had a chance to kind of just run roughshod over the East. And now, you know, I'm definitely a little hyped on the Sixers with, with the Ben Simmons changes moving him to the four. I'm curious to see what that does um, for that team. So I think the Bucks had an advantage there of like, we're better than everyone else with the class of the East and we're going to run through everybody. But now, you know, restarting things, it's just a bit of a wild card. You don't really know how everyone's going to react, especially talking about how Giannis and I think Chris Middleton used you know, those guys, had, had basketball hoops to play on. So we're going to see. Again, it's not going to be in the first 40 or so minutes of the game. It's the last couple of minutes when you need a bucket. You know, will the, will their legs be under them? Will they be able to hit the jump shot that, that they need to hit? So I actually think a team like the Bucks, who has been there, now they have that cohesive unit, which is I reference for, for the Raptors, and, and you know, they have a great coach, but they're at the top of the heap. And they really need to get take that one less step, one next step, which they weren't able to do last year. I think it'll be interesting to see um, if they can maintain that dominance uh, through the regular
0: season here and then the playoffs. And just to piggyback on something you said earlier about teams that that were getting hot out west, the Pelicans were on a two-game winning streak, five of five over their last ten, and the Sacramento Kings were seven and three over their last ten games. And all those teams are within three and a half of Memphis. So you know, those teams got their momentum halted, and we'll see how that translates uh, down in Orlando. Uh, by the way, I think we're both in agreement the Magic have absolutely, positively no home court advantage here. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's kind of, kind of like home court for everyone because they're going to be used to the... They're not going They're not going far away. Um, they're going to be used to the courts, they used to the hoops, so it shouldn't be, should be an issue. Although the Magic did benefit by getting Jonathan Eisenbach, Isaac back, is one of my favorite players, um, under the radar players in the NBA right now, one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the sport with a, a developing offensive game. He was out for the rest of the season, and now he's back. He had a great um, preseason game the other night, so that's, that's, a nice, that's a nice bump for them to have him, even if they don't go anywhere, which they likely won't, just to have him healthy and getting reps as they, as they eventually head into the offseason in a few weeks.
0: Absolutely. Um, Let's move away from this and then we'll come back to it. Uh, Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, you were not happy with the hire. Tell the folks out there, Jordan Brickman on teeing it up, why you were not happy with the hire.
1: Well, he he wasn't my first choice. Um, My first choice was Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson has has a history of developing players and developing guards in particular, which is something that the Knicks really need to develop some of their guards right now on their wings. Um, so I really I really wanted Kenny kids T- I, I have my concerns about him you know obviously I can be I can be sold I can be sold anything and, and can, can turn turn and spin to be uh, positive I, I was really happy it's not Jason Kidd it's not Mark Jackson those guys would have been a disasters. I don't think Tibbs is, is that um, you know the, the thing with the thing with kids that that it's concerning, there, there's, there's two sides of it. There's the X's and O's, which I'll get to in a second, and then there's the, the culture stuff. So the culture stuff, he has a history of running guys into the ground. He has a history of being too hard on, on players, particularly younger players, rubbing them the wrong way, losing the locker room. Let's, let's tackle those issues first. I think that um, he, you know, Tid does mention that he is willing to use sports science to understand load management. So all I can do as a fan at this point, is assume that what he's telling us is true, and he is actually willing to adapt to sports science. So I'm going to check load management uh, as, a, as, a, as a potential pro for him or as a neutral. Let's, let's assume that that's not an issue for him anymore. They're running the players into the ground too much, losing the, losing the kind of millennials, if you will, players. Um, you know, if we want to really unpack that, who, who has he lost? It seems like Wiggins and Carl Hesley Towns were two players that just did not connect with him. Now those are two players that have kind of been maligned in the media as soft and as not um, the hardest working guy in the room. Those are just the kind of players that you probably don't want on your team. A and B Tibbs is just not going to get along with them. If you're not willing to be pushed and to be to be made better, then then we don't want you on, on the on our team. We want we want you know we want the winner who's going to the Kobe Bryant mindset or, or the Jimmy Butler mindset. He's someone that's played for Tibbs that's going to say I have a weakness. I'm going to go work solve that weakness no matter what it is gonna put in the work. Seems like those guys are on the more, you know, soft side based off based off what the media has portrayed them as. But if you compare it to how the Bulls think think of Tibbs all the bulls players loved him. Luald just told the story on a podcast about how he was he was approaching a free agency year. The team the front office didn't want to pay him, so Tibbs ran the offense to Lualdang, allowed him to elevate his numbers, the Bulls then traded him and Luald got a huge contract because of it, and he and he thanks Tibbs for doing that. So a lot, Jokinoa, Noah, uh, who has had his issues with the Knicks. These guys all all love playing for Tibbs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say again, the, the running players in the ground, the the um uh rubbing the younger players some of, you know, the wrong way, not being able to um uh c- connect with them. I'm gonna assume that those are things that are a little overblown, and that you know, we'll call them the neutral areas. Now let's look like at the X's and O's piece. So Tibbs is known as, as a defensive guy, but he's known specifically for running ice coverage. Ice coverage, for, for those that don't know, essentially what it's doing is in the pick and roll, it's allowing for the offensive, the point guard, to make a decision, to either shoot the ball or to attack. So the, the idea when Tibbs was, was running this defense was that... Um, you would kind of get these these guards to be stuck in between and make bad decisions, essentially. It's also trying to drive guys away from the paint. However, now that defense is not super relevant because every point guard for the most part, at least the elite ones, can just shoot all day from three. That defense will not work on a Steph Curry. It will not work on a Trey Young. It will not work on a Lillard. All these guys that can just pull from anywhere, you're giving them too much space. It's just not a relevant defense anymore. That's a concern for me. Um, offensively, Tis has never been an offensive-minded coach. <laughs> Excuse me. He had some pretty strong offenses in, in Chicago, but he had some great talent on those teams as well. With Derrick Rose uh, on that team, you know, choking Ch- Ch- Noah, while not a flashy offensive player, is an efficient one. Um, they, you know, they had they had some interesting pieces there that he was able to to work, and they were they were a top offense. The Minnesota offense is not so much. They they did not shoot a lot of threes. It's kind of an outdated offense. Not a not a very modern offense. So. Those are the concerns that I have more on the X's and O's side. Everything I've l- I read about Dibbs, everyone says, this guy is a basketball junkie, he's a basketball genius, he will adapt to the league. That's what I want to hear him say when he's introduced as a head coach for the Knicks, that I have, I have adapted, I, have, I am currently adapting to the way the game is played now. I know that the things that I've done in the past are not as relevant anymore, but I, I know, I'm confident in my knowledge that I'm going to figure this out and we're going we're to win. Tibbs has a great record of winning. I think he's gone to 500 twice in his career. If he, if, if, you know, it's been it's been few and far between the NBA coaches that the Knicks have hired that have had that success. So I hope he can come in, bring that culture of hard work and and um, you know dedication to the team, and 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 potentially form a winner. I hope this doesn't mean the Knicks are going to go for it right away. I hope they still take a patient approach to to get there eventually. So. That's my long-winded answer of saying, not my favorite,
0: but I'll live with it. Kid Fire. That may have been your best 10 minutes or 5 minutes, whatever it was on radio. That was really insightful. Well done, dude. Because I, I think for all of you out there, like this is what Jordan lives for. And that analysis is something you can only get here on Teeing It Up. So if you want more of it, subscribe, rate, review, preferably 5 stars. Um, and make sure to check out his other appearances because there's a, a myriad of, of knowledge similar to that, um, on on other podcasts. Um, related to this and changing philosophies over time, would you be in favor of the Knicks going to the Chicago bubble for the teams that don't make it, or would you prefer a mini camp back home? Because my thing is a it's less. I would prefer everybody stay close and and there's no chance of a spread or anything bad happening to anybody. But B, you're not going to get Steph Curry and Klay Thompson going into that bubble. You may not even get Trey Young going into that bubble. So I don't know what opponents you would be able to get and learn off of and be able to work with for the guys you would want to see develop. So I say just stay... Internal. What's your uh, uh, what's your take on that?
1: Well, first off, I definitely want something to happen. I'm, I'm very. It seems like something will happen. I, and I'm glad that they seem to be going in a direction that a delete eight or whatever you want to call it um, will be getting somewhere because it is too long for you guys to sit out, especially if the next season doesn't start until December. So, I'm very happy something is happening. Um, I, you know, the bubble concept, at least for this point seems to be working, they have zero cases, they have maintained zero cases now for uh, a couple of weeks compared to what baseball is doing. There's, they have many more than zero cases, so I think the bubble, going to a bubble is safe in my opinion, if they handle it in the same way. So I have no problem with them going to a Chicago bubble if that's what they go for. Um, and if, if there's no Trey or there's no superstars there, I don't really care. I want my I would, I would want these guys to go play summer league against, you know, kind of the, the fringe NBA guys of the league. I just want them to get reps. If, if if playing against uh, role players helps laquina become more aggressive and more confident, then I want him to play against role players. If if, if that's what the if that's what the best option is for these guys to be competitive and to um, get some work in and stay as sharp as they can in an off season, that's what I want to happen. I also think these again these guys are competitors, so they're gonna they, they need to let this energy out that they have. They're, they. They're going to be going nine months or so without competing against other people. They really need to, to, I think, have an outlet for that. So, I also think it'd be really important to have kids come and establish some, some presence with the team. let like put in some put in some structure offensively, defensively. Let him teach his principles, things that he that he wants to establish in the team, build a culture. You can't do that in a mini camp with just your team. I mean, actually, you can't. It's not as effective. As it would be if you're playing as other teams, and if you start playing as other teams, who cares if it's just role players and we have a whole team out there? If we're winning, that's going to start establish some level of trust with kids early on. Um, and so, there's a lot of value, I think, in playing as other teams, having a camp like that. Um, hopefully, they'll do it kind of like a league style, where maybe there's an MVP and there's a playoff, things like that. Maybe a 14 playoff or something. But um, I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a smart way to handle things, and, and I would,
0: something I would love to watch, love to watch my, my next play for a couple of games in the middle of summer. Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. Um, speaking of MLB and COVID cases, we're now up to 18 people in the Marlins traveling party um, having some kind of case, and that's over half now, the uh, traveling party, having been diagnosed. Um, a, do you think we're going to finish this season?
1: I'm going to say yes, because it seems like nothing's going to stop them at this point. The thing is that, you know, they can move things around. They can extend the season a little bit. There's the off days they can use. I think it's interesting that the Marlins are the team that has has gotten this this outbreak because they are not a contender. You know, even in the best-case scenario, the Marlins probably aren't making the playoffs, even a 16-team playoff. Especially in, the, in that stacked NL East, so uh, be, it'll be interesting to see if this happens with a, a team that's a little more um, talented, I guess, if you want to call them that. You know, what if the Yan- if this happened to the Yankees? What if this happened to maybe the Phillies or one of these other teams or the Dodgers? Then, then what happens? Manfred has said they're considering they'll consider cancel the season if a team is deemed um, essentially non-competitive. But I think they look at the Marlins as a non-competitive team to begin with. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it expands. You know, there's these, these states like Florida, like Arizona, like Texas, with COVID's running wild right now. And it's just a matter of time before this happens again. I, I do wonder if they not, they're not going to do a bubble, but I wonder if they can do, like, an inverted bubble maybe. Um, you know, New York, I know Cuomo has said, you know, come play in New York. Think about all the fields in New York where they can play. You the Staten Island Yankees. Brooklyn Cyclones, there's, there's Hudson Valley Renegades, there's, there's so many different stadiums and ballparks that they can use just in this area um, that could host a lot of teams, so it, it'd be an interesting interesting to see if they can move that quickly for some of the teams. The Marlins can come play in New York easily, all their, they make it less travel for basically all of their games, all of their teams are playing are in the Northeast, except for Atlanta um, and Tampa, obviously, so um it'd be interesting to see if they adapt that quickly because florida is a danger zone right now and, and arizona these other places are they're all very very dangerous to just be there so it'll yep. be interesting to see how they adapt but i do think they're going to finish the season even if it is a very very bizarre one
0: it really is and uh looks like the canadian government was uh making the right choice when they said nope we don't want you guys coming up here uh to uh, toronto right now um the mets um Uh, uh, quickly here. It seems like you just needed to get away from Atlanta and get to a horrible pitching team in Boston and things would change as you scored seven and eight runs um, the last two nights after scoring four in in the combined first three games. Um, What's your feeling on this team a week in?
1: Yeah, you know, the first three games, I was saying to people I was watching, I was like, these guys aren't even hitting the ball in the air. It was like lazy ground ball or you know, maybe a lazy fly ball over and over again. I was like, they just don't look right. And the Braves pitching is good, but it's not, you know, they're not facing Garrett Cole every night or, or um, you know, these, these stud pitchers. They, they face a couple of good pitchers, but nothing crazy. I think for, for me, obviously facing a team that has pitch like the Red Sox, which is amongst the worst staff I've ever seen. There's so many guys. And I know a lot of baseball players from playing fantasy and just being a fan of the sport. I don't know any of these guys are going out there. I've never even yes. heard of most of them. Um, so that's a nice little and, and, you know, antidote that'll, that'll fix any offense probably throughout the season. But it's also just getting reps. You know, the Mets played two exhibition games and then a bunch of uh, inner squad games. It kind, of, kind of goes back a little bit to what I just said with the Knicks. Like, you're not going to have the same experience until you're playing against other teams. And then you've got to get into a rhythm playing into, against those other teams and really kind of get your get – your, um, you know, in basketball, your legs under you, or in baseball, your your rhythm and um, working on different things. Like right now, Pete Alonzo and Cespedes and some of these other guys have really struggled, and it's because they're still, I think, adjusting to, to what an inverted camp and and not playing 30 spring training games before starting the regular season. So, um, I, I, I think that that the, the offense is they're playing the Braves again this weekend, and I'm curious to see how different the offense looks when when they face them for a second time because that offense. Has potential to be a top one, two or three in the, in the National League. It's, it's deep one through nine. They have depth on the bench. I'm excited to see how the, how much they can continue this, especially once they leave Boston and start to face some of the better pitching staff in, in baseball.
0: And to bring this back full circle, um, Cespedes has to get his baseball legs under him. He hasn't played this many games in a row in a while. So it's been, what, three years since he played anything uh, consistently like this? So uh, he has to get his sea legs.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, he played in 2018, but it was only for less than half the season. So um, he, de- he definitely does. But, you know, he's not playing the field. So he's also got to adjust to being a DH. That's a whole different experience.
0: Right? Yeah, it's true.
1: Um, so, so, yeah, that's, it's def- that's something that a full spring training, you know, could have helped him get a little more used to. But, you know, these guys are pros. No excuses. Got to get a job. Done. So hopefully they, can, hopefully they can do that.
0: I know you want Jordan's um, pick for who will win the NBA Finals, but you're going to have to wait because Jordan has something to tell all of you about something you should not wait to do. Go ahead, Jordan.
1: Uh, I think you're referring to, to, music, um, that to, to uh, the music, to the artist that I work with, hip-hop artist, I work with named Praise. who's been on the show, been, been on seeing us uh, maybe twice now to, to talk to Jeremy. Um, he put out a new song called called Wait, which is what uh, Jen was voting to there. Available on all Spotify platforms. Again, his name is Praise. The song is called Wait. All spelled normally. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, title, YouTube Music, whatever you use, it, it's out there. Check it out. Um, his Instagram is at uh, Praise Beats if you want to give him a follow and see what he's up to. Planning to release probably about one song a month or so through the end of the year. So, so keep an eye out for some more music coming soon.
0: Ooh. That's, that's even news to me, folks. So, ooh, I am excited now. Um, and, guys, the hook is just going to get stuck in your head. I, I guarantee it. It is so bleeping good. All right, Jordan, here you are, the moment of truth. A, will we have a play-in game in the West? And B, who's in the NBA Finals and who wins it? Uh, definitely a play-in game that will
1: 100% happen in the West for sure. Um, I, I, I'm gonna predict the playing game will be Grizzlies and Pelicans, and I hope the Pel- I love both those teams, but I'm gonna predict the Pelicans will will beat down one out. Um, and then the finals, I'm gonna go with the the Lakers obviously and the Sixers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Mm. Sixers that's who I picked out of the East game this year. Uh, I placed the bet on them. I had Sixers Warriors that uh, that didn't work out so much, but um, the Six. I'm to ride with the Sixers to to win these.
0: Interesting, all because of Ben Simmons' uh, new shot?
1: Well, you know, I think on paper they might be the most talented team. They've had that they're kind of their chemistry issues throughout the year. It seems like they just don't like each other. Or, you know, Ben Simmons and, and Embiid are kind of square pegs in, in round holes to get together. But if they're going to reimagine uh, their floor spacing and the roles on the offense, they have the talent to, to beat these teams. I think they're a bad matchup for the Bucks because they're so big in the paint, and specifically Embiid can really put quite the, quite a big body on on Giannis. So um, they, they've beaten the Bucks this year when they play them. So if they can match up, I think they can take out the Bucks. And then no one else really scares me. You know, you look at if they play someone like the Celtics, Embiid should feast against those bigs. Um, you know, the Raptors, the Raptors are, are definitely scary uh, just because they're so well coached and they play so well together. But why wise they're not. The same level as someone like the Sixers, so you know that that kind of that's kind of who I'm going I'm to ride with. I, I think Bucks is the easy answer. They they have, been, have played the best this year. They are the best last year. Um, but but I'm going to ride with the with the Sixers to to win the East this year and lose the Lakers in the finals.
0: I'm going to clip this on in, aud-
1: in, uh, in six games.
0: I'm going to clip this audio and uh, we'll see how it plays out. That is a bold pick, um, and I like it. You're kind of living out there. Um, there you go. I, I like the move. Jordan Brickman, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling Thanks, Jeremy. You got it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling